3: You know, fresh off of the debut of Rampage, Friday night. Uh, Those of you who are waiting for it after this audio, a little bit of a bonus audio. I still have yet to record my review of The Suicide Squad. A lot of people have been asking for my thoughts on it. I'll give them to you. Uh, First of all, rest in peace to the creator of the Real Hero Archive, Jamal Hepburn. Uh, died unexpectedly yesterday. Uh, I had had access at one time, or I used the Real Hero Archive, I believe. If, if If you've seen Japanese wrestling, or if you are now currently a fan in some way of Japanese wrestling, I would say the Real Hero Archive is in some way responsible, because that's the guy who kept everybody on the internet afloat at one time when content was hard to come by i had never had an interaction with them i just knew the name real hero archive didn't use it as much as other people did chris were you a heavy user of it
2: uh it was it was essential for me uh when i was okay. trying to like learn about japanese wrestling i don't know about like a decade plus ago now um yeah no i i man i was watching stuff on that all the time uh yeah, and then kind of when New Japan was in its big peak in the last decade there, you know, I'd be watching current stuff, and then I'd be watching old Vader matches and stuff in Japan, old uh, Jinsei Shinsaki, a.k.a. Hakushi, and Hayabusa matches, and lots of great you are, stuff. You
3: are a Jinsei Shinsaki fan. We've done a podcast about that at one time.
2: <laughs> he does a thing for me. I just really like his match style.
3: I I spent my weekend watching a lot of old Midnight Express stuff, so I, I'm still reeling a bit from Bobby Eaton. Just watched his last run in Memphis, which I had never seen. That's interesting, but yes. Sorry sorry to get off on that tangent. Uh, rest in peace, Jamal Hepburn. For one sure. Of, no, I oh, just
2: want to say one thing real quickly in memoriam. Like, what this guy did was like so selfless, and he just kept putting this content out there and shared this art right before you and I got in the air. We were talking about videos on YouTube and that sort of thing and like art and the changing nature of content. And I think on some level, like, you know, to kind of, I can't take a debate off air and bring it fully on air or whatever. But like one thing I think about that's like a real positive in this new, more sort of like public commons, public good thing is like, it gives people a chance to see stuff that they otherwise never would have seen. And, um, it, it's subtle, but like for me, it probably result, I, I know for sure it was a key part of me having a new Japan world subscription for a very long time. Um, so the free content that Jamal put up, um, you know, is actually good for the business and good for the industry. And, um, people like that are doing a real service for our broader culture and for the industry.
3: One of the dangers of recording on a thursday night that things tend to happen on friday
2: and you you <laughs> wanted to do it you wanted yes, i i, I, wanted a, 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 I guess, knew it was a bad idea i knew it i, I nothing could talk <laughs> you off of it
3: i i had to watch the suicide squad which came up on thursday night right after we stopped recording <laughs> so i watched it then but uh yeah as a uh, as smackdown went to air while it was on the air 13 people getting cut from NXT including two who were going to be on 205 live af- on the 205 live after smackdown
2: and a couple of north american champions.
3: Yes. Uh interesting enough waiting though this long to talk about it. We got a little bit of a follow up in this week's Wrestling Observer. Thank you to Dave Meltzer for this. Uh the cuts guess who didn't have a say in them? Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Road Dog. Nope. These were all the work of Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, and John Laurinaitis. Going down there, it appears that there's going there's a bit of internal tension between NXT and the main roster, which was also why Carrion Cross lost to Jeff Hardy, which is also why Aliyah pinned Dakota Kai on main event, even though Dakota Kai is going after your women's title on the next takeover. There is some pettiness going about, but first let's talk about the people who were cut. Here's the list for those of you who have been living in a cave, perhaps Bobby Fish. He of the Undisputed Era, former North American champion Bronson Reed, Mercedes Martinez, one of the best women they have on that roster. By the way, she's already booked a Diana Peraza match. I'm here for that. Tyler Rust one week after they redebuted the diamond mine pretty much. Kona Reeves, a little more on Kona later.
2: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just a darn shame. Kona Reeves is a real star in the making.
3: <laughs> you know, you and Lanza going off on your Kona Reeves tangents here. I'm going to defend him somewhat because it's not his fault. Oh, former North American champion Leon Ruff. Taking, I am taking the victory lap on that one that they were never going to rehab him. It was only a two-week joke thing. Up yours, people who told me I was wrong.
2: I was I was with you on that one, too. You I, were with I, me on that I, one. I was with you on that one.
3: <laughs> Jake Atlas getting his Andy Dufresne from Shawshank release here. <laughs> That's a guy. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little Uh RA Sterling, a.k.a. Alex Zane. Denzel DeJournette, aka Desmond Troy. That's one I got some big thoughts on that one. That kid was done dirty, I thought. Zechariah Smith, a basketball center who never made the air. Uh, Asher Hale Anthony Henry, who was one of the hottest properties on the Indies at the time he was signed. Giant Zangier, Indian wrestler, prospect, tall. That's all you need to know. And referee Stephen Smith or Stefan Smith. Now, Interestingly enough, part of this revamping of NXT will also be, apparently, internally, the rumor is nobody under six foot two, nobody over 30. Uh, Chris, first initial thoughts before we go down the list.
2: Uh, I think the one that immediately jumps out to me is Bronson Reed. Uh, I think uh, this is another guy, similar to Leon Ruff, where after he lost the title, I was like, oh no, they're done with him. Like it wasn't. Oh, they're calling him up to the main roster. I I thought he they were done with him. It's unfortunate because I think that Bronson Reed's actually pretty good. Um, and I think he's got a lot of personality. And you know, I, I I like this new Odyssey Jones guy that they're running with, but they're like going too over the top with him. And I thought Bronson Reed was kind of more of a happy medium on that, a little more like of a subdued version of what they're doing with Odyssey Jones. Um, so it's a. Uh, It's unfortunate with uh, Bronson Reed. Tyler Rust, uh, I mean, having him get pulled from the diamond mine, if you're Malcolm Bivens and you're Roderick Strong, you got to be really wondering how much longer you're going to be at this company. Because uh, they already cut... Roddy's, uh, paramore or not paramour, is his, uh, girlfriend. Um, I using believe the wife ro- now, I think, I think, wife, I, think they've,
3: I think they've tied the knot, but yes, Marina hey,
2: Shafir. Yeah. Marina Shafir. Um, and, uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't think uh, they never have seen what we see in Malcolm Bivens. So yeah, I think he's probably in trouble here too. It's, those are the big ones. I mean, Leon Ruff, Look, uh, he never should have been North American champion. I, I think that the Leon Ruff run did damage to the belt, which needed to gain prestige. And at a time when it needed to really gain significant prestige as a mid card title, the Leon Ruff and then the Bronson Reed transition and then the non committal nature of the Bronson Reed push really hurt the belt. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a failed project over there right now.
3: Bronson Reed's biggest detriment is that he's not six foot six. Otherwise he'd be in the league. I mean, he's a big guy, but he's not the tallest fellow in the world. He's Australian. And there's something about Vince's dumbass, ass. Pardon my French bodybuilding mentality where you can be strong, but if you're not ripped, you're not jacked. If you're not chiseled, if you're not Cut. Then he, he he thinks you're a fatty. Now, thank God he was cut before they gave him something like you know fat boy gimmick as opposed to thick boy, where he's eating like a chocolate bar while other people are working out or something. You know, no, he in a way character.
2: I think he's very lucky that he didn't get stuck with the Bull Dempsey latter days treatment. Yes, it, it's entirely yes. possible that he could have been saddled with that, and I think that for. Bronson Reed, uh, this is, it's hard to call it a blessing in disguise because WWE is a six-figure contract if you make it onto the main roster. However, in terms of being able to make money over the next eight to ten years here, which he's only like 32, he can still do that. Uh, I, AEW and the broader AEW network of um, you know, companies, Impact, and e- even Ring of Honor too. Offer, I think, Bronson Reed a better opportunity to shine.
3: Anthony Henry's gonna be the guy that gets a couple of dark matches and they'll see what how the crowd reacts to him. He's that good. He's very good, but he's 32. He was stuck on 205 Live where nobody was gonna watch him. You know, he'll he'll be fine doing super indies and things right now. Mercedes Martinez, I thought this was a trainer deal, so this surprised me a bit. She's gonna be fine because she's just awesome. Okay, she's still awesome. She's 40. That's probably why they cut her, but she still has a couple of years in her. And she was ne- she was never going to be main roster because Vince can't cast for crap. Leon Ruff, I grew up. Jake Atlas gets a do-over. Plain and simple. AEW wanted Jake Atlas. AEW was dying to bring Jake Atlas in there. Jake Atlas was going to be their jungle boy before Jungle Boy.
2: The, the, have, you know, Jake Atlas, this might actually work out just fine for him. Like, you know, it might not be a bad time to get on the AEW trolley. And if he had been on in the early days, maybe he would have gotten lost in the shuffle.
3: Um, Yeah. And look, they have four shows now. They put him out. They make him the jungle boy of AEW Dark Elevation and start building him up. He'll get that. He'll get the swag again, I think. I think he'll be fine. Uh, PWG is going to book him. Defy is going to book him. Ring of honor may take a flyer on him. Impact is always there. He's, he's one of the top tier guys that's going to be out there and he's going to have offers and it's just going to be a matter of where he wants and, to and go. And he's 26.
2: So yeah. it's, it's fine. I, now there, I mean, I don't know why we think mid twenties is even remotely it, it, nor towards peak at this point.
3: Well, it's because of, of the athleticism of the guys. I mean, when you're 40, you can't be... I mean, there's the law of diminishing returns. See, Rob Van Dam and Chris Jericho still trying to do moonsaults into their late 40s. Okay, yeah, so
2: you transition your style and yes, you change up yes. your style and you modify. Um, I mean, I think Jake wait, wait, Atlas is, which,
3: Which, by the way, you're allowed to do in every company except WWE.
2: Right, <laughs> and and okay, Atlas is a gymnast, but that also, to me, entails... As he gets older and maybe transitions to a bigger frame, he'll still have pretty good flexibility underneath him, and he might actually be able to have really good longevity. I mean, we, we're, we could be very well talking about a guy who's got another 15, upwards of 20 years left in his career.
3: Yeah. Um, now DDP Yoga
2: is doing wonderful things out there all the time, Jeff. All the time.
3: No, I was trying to find a good way to transition to Kona Reeves. Your boy, Jeff. Mocked Kona a little bit. When they gave him the money gimmick, when they gave him, was it the best, or what, what was what was it? He was they were trying to basically make him into the Rainmaker, and I called him Focata. And he deserved that nickname. The the gimmick was terrible. What he, they did with him was terrible. All he was doing was the main roster. I'm gonna do my poses and I'm gonna do this and that. He is tall. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's in his, I think he's 30, 31, 32, something like that. He should be on the phone to Shibata to join the Los Angeles New Japan Dojo tomorrow. There is still time for Kona Reeves to be something. Am I saying he's a worldly star or whatever? No, but if Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Uh, from uh, uh,
2: Darren Young, he's Darren over Young, on he's on NWA you. right now, and he's still he's doing on NWA stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah. If
3: if he can revitalize his career, Kona Reeves, if he puts his mind to it, and focuses and gets some real training on how to be a badass, there is still some hope for him. His drop kick is pretty awesome. He has the aerodynamics. Get him on a weight routine as well and build up that body of his. There is still a chance for him. I know Joe was burying him bad on the flagship this week. We'll get to a minor Joe burial in a bit on my part. I, I mean, look, I think, look, I, I think, think
2: sometimes, uh, and I don't want to make a pointed comment on anyone, not because I'm scared of the network. They don't know, they don't even know I'm I'm here. They 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 fired me five years ago, and I've just kept doing shows. But um, I think sometimes we mistake the gimmick with. Um, the actual performer and like what the actual assets of the performer is. And in the case of Kona Reeves, he was really saddled with that horrible. I was trying to think of like, as you were describing the gimmick, it was, it was the best it like, you know, it was the, like, best. He, that was the best. Yeah. It was the best. It, it would, but like, it was like, I like the best wine, and I like the best books and I like the best music. And it's like, it's, it's not even Rick, the model Martel. It's like nothing to latch onto it. And it's, annoying it's a
3: hook. it's a hook it's here's your costume put this on see if it fits that's yeah, all it is
2: but it's uh, I I think it lacks a hook is sort of my okay. thing in, in the sense that it's annoying but it's not something that actually breeds contempt um, it's not something that actually like is really hateable
3: I'll get to the one that baffles me because I thought he had a lot of upside that's Denzel Dejornette he's only 26 former wrestler at Appalachian State. We may remember him. He did a lot of prelim stuff early in the pandemic cuz he was around. He he was on the main roster doing he he got killed by Sheamus, he got killed by Seth Rollins uh when when Champa and and Timothy Thatcher were having their feud. He was the guy that that they both beat on successive weeks. That that's him. He he had a singlet. He looked a lot like um as Rob put it, the the street prophet who is not Montez Ford, D'Angelo Dawkins, uh, or Angelo Dawkins, and and he, you know he looked like he could if they gave him kind of a a shooter gimmick, it would work with him, and then they renamed him Desmond Troy, they beat him twice, they beat him in the uh, in the tournament early, and then they cut him. If I'm him, again maybe Shibata, I think another guy is I think MLW under that kind of, uh, Tom Lawler type of stable where he's bringing in guys with like MMA backgrounds and things like that. I think he could work there. I think he just needs to go somewhere, get some real training instead of doing tumbling drills for eight hours a day. And he still has time to be a star. If he wants to be a wrestler still, that's, that's the thing with him. But that's a kid I saw a lot in when, when he was first put on TV and then they just beat him and they beat him and they beat him some more, and then they go, well, he's never going to be a star because we beat him so much. And you're just like, okay, great. Chris is playing with his cat.
2: Yes, I, she's very, very nice. Um, yeah, no, Denzel DeGeneres, I think, is another guy who has, he got experience there, but he didn't get exposure, and that can be good in the sense that he can rebrand to be whatever. He he didn't get saddled with a goofy gimmick um, during his tenure there, and you know. That's always the worst thing possible, in my opinion.
3: I'm going to ask this general question now because there's the, the tension now between Triple H and ba- basically they're saying that the people who are afraid of Triple H when he takes over are the ones that are cutting him off at the knees to Vince, and that just screams Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn, and John Laurinaitis to me. Reckless speculation, but. Urg no, I, I,
2: I, I think that's right. I mean, I think a guy like Kevin Dunn in particular, um, Triple H has made comments about Kevin Dunn's production style in the past. So I think that is probably still there. And I think if you look at the early days of NXT, a lot of the early production of NXT when Hunter was really, you know, under control of it, very much felt like a reaction to the way that Monday Night Raw and SmackDown was shot. You had longer angles. You had like all the lights down. You didn't have nearly as much jumping around and stuff. Uh, it was it was a very very different vibe on the early days of NXT. So I think it's right to assume that Hunter's got that political enemy. Uh, I think the other part of it is that maybe the Degeneration X boys are not necessarily the wrestling booking brain trust uh, that they might fancy themselves to be, um, and. Uh, I think maybe Hunter's lost like his stroke a little, lo- lost his touch a little bit. But um, not n- not really kind of, you know, it's not really a surprise in this sense. We've been seeing Hunter get, like, quietly demoted multiple times now. Um, So I, th- I think that the rumors about, like, you know, a bit of a political leverage play on him make sense given the backdrop.
3: Well, he's also in an impossible position because he's doing a job that they've never done well in wwe i'm about to ask you if nxt creates stars anytime wwe has had a developmental territory they the the vision of the people running the developmental territory who have to make money to stay afloat is always different than the vision of the guy up top like ovw when it had brock randy orton uh, Cena, Batista and stuff. Cornette in that territory didn't want to push Batista out of the gate because he was green still. He didn't know how to work, all those other things. So Batista gets up to the main roster and they go, why doesn't this guy know how to work? It's like, well, because I'm taking my time trying to train him. When Vince just sees body guy and goes, give me that. Now NXT has never had any need to make actual money because it was always kind of a side project there to go after the indies. Did it create stars for NXT? Yes, it did for a while. Did it ever create stars for the WWE? Maybe Drew McIntyre, maybe Kevin Owens, the Horsewomen, certainly. Alexa Bliss, yes. But, you know, now that it's on actual television, it has a dual... Issue number one, the people who watch main roster don't care about NXT all that much, they're two completely different audiences. Number two, it's never had when it debuted on USA, it was there only to take up space to take the oxygen out of the room for AEW. The thing about that was, they never said, What's the point of this? They never said oh, this is where you'll see the stars of Raw and SmackDown tomorrow because they could never guarantee that. They just put wrestling on and said, here it is. And everybody just went, oh, that's more wrestling. And they kind of tuned out.
2: Yeah, I mean, they really put out NXT in this go up against AEW thing as a heat sink. There was no actual plan or angle or sort of key thing to guide this war like you know when vince is going to war against wcw in 96 97 he settles in on austin he settles in on michael's degeneration x key characters key angles things that are going to fuel the war and very later on very clearly austin like Austin is my weapon against WCW and to a certain extent, Degeneration generation X rolling up in the tank at, at, at WCW as well. But like these are angles and programs that were designed as things to go up and compete against something. Vince has not been making a product that is designed to compete against anything, uh, let alone sleep, uh, which is apparently a big competitor these days. Uh, what were you going to say?
3: No, no, go ahead. I'm about to transition into the second part of my point, but finish yours.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think that when you look at this NXT run uh, over the last year and a half here, what has been the guiding storyline? It's not like the carrier and crawl. I guess he got injured. But it's really hard to imagine a scenario where we got six months of carrying cross and it was really good shit, brother. Uh you, you, you know that it was gonna be like goofy and like fallen prey or like Scarlet gets kidnapped and Carrie has to save her or someone breaks the hourglass and Scarlet's like, ah yeah, the hourglass and like that's a whole thing. And then Cross has to get even with that like it wasn't gonna be a fun six months. Uh and they didn't have an angle that was gonna be riveting compelling stuff because they don't even know how to book like that anymore. Whereas AEW is setting up stuff that has three month, six month timelines, and it's clear that these things have trajectories.
3: Gargano could have been huge, but now he's wearing a mustache and wig and doing It's a me, Mario And Champa was hot for about two months there too. But Yeah, they're not building the Gargano
2: Ciampa thing overstayed its welcome. I think here's that's an argument. I think they made Gargano and Ciampa into stars. I do, too. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair argument. I think
3: people are blaming that feud, though. Those people that are doing that, they're wrong. It's not their fault. Nobody came up in the pipeline. I mean, Velveteen Dream they wanted to be a hot star. Trouble arose there. Here's here's this this will transition to the second. Uh, well, half but real quickly program. on Dream, okay,
2: go ahead. I, actually, I think that that's a good one. Um, yes, obviously we know about Dream's problems. Um, let's suppose that the there's a different person settled with the Velveteen Dream gimmick. Um, of a similar level of skill, or maybe even better than Patrick Clark Jr. I think that that Velveteen Dream push was well on its way to being a main roster star, and like yes. th- that that would be that would have been an example of a character that they had came up with that was main roster ready and would actually be someone I could credibly make the argument would have the ability to crack into the merchandise sales for WWE and actually be a real merch moving star.
3: Oh, Chris, this just goes great into my second point here because old Joe lands on the flagship last week was, uh, was doubting. Let's say that the fiend moved any merchandise because he hadn't seen anybody who had any fiend merchandise at any show or in the wild and all these other things. Well, so happens that the people, some of the people who listen to WWE or listen to WWE, some of the people who listen to this show, uh, heard about this and dropped into my box and asked, uh, if I could uh, forward a message to them, they get an internal memo. WWE employees do of shop sales for the week based on talent. Now, Chris, here's the issue. Looking at this latest one that we had because they wanted to show us, they wanted to show us the fiend sales around WrestleMania. They wanted to show us last year and they wanted to show us right as he was cut. Bray was always top five, if not number one in terms of moving merch, but, but Huge butt. It goes into a bigger point of this tension between NXT and Vince and creating stars. They are and, not and, creating.
2: Isn't it crazy that we didn't mention Bray Wyatt at all and did NXT making stars? And yes, NXT made the Wyatt family. <laughs> but yeah, and, and the guy's clearly a star by the numbers.
3: Yes, and he has decent merch. That's the other thing is they don't they 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 suck at making merch on the NXT roster and even the main roster. It's just they put a name with a weird font and a graphic and they expect people to just buy this up. There's no real thought to it unless you're already a merch mover and people care and and there's care about the brand to not turn people off necessarily. But here it is. I'm gonna give you the top 25 shop sales between july 26 and august 1st of this year the week that bray wyatt was cut and how many stars is old vince and his brain trust creating let's take a look bray wyatt number one legend inactive is his brand number two john cena part-timer number three roman reigns big dog on SmackDown every week, universal champion. Number four, Stone Cold Steve Austin, legend inactive. Number five, the SummerSlam Las Vegas unisex T-shirt. Not a talent. Number six, Alexa Bliss, who has been given the fiend gimmick. And that's mostly on the basis of the sales of that stupid lily I I, I gotta tell you though, uh, don't gloss over
2: the the event T-shirt thing. Because the event T-shirt thing is important in this sense. It's people are, right, they're not buying into a star. And it's the same mm-hmm. 20 bucks you could have pulled out of your pocket and paid for any star, Kofi Kingston, Biggie Langston, whoever it is. And instead, you're like, I don't know, I just want a shirt that says I was here. That's not good.
3: Yeah, number uh, the, the, the Lily Plush doll is a big seller for Alexa Bliss right now. I know that seems weird to people, but it is. Number seven, NWO. Not there anymore. Legend inactive. Number eight, The Undertaker. Not there. Legend inactive. Number nine, Edge. Part timer on this last run. Number 10, Eddie Guerrero. No longer taking calls. Eddie Guerrero is the number 10 guy moving merch in the WWE, and he hasn't been around for a while. Number 11. And he th- didn't have oh, that long
2: of a push in WWE either. Right. A lot of his career was, and, and really the, yes, he had his peak in WWE. WE uh, but like he really was a WCW guy. And I mean that goes right down to he was part of the invasion angle.
3: Well, no, no, no. Latino heat is still big with people. That 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that one. Yeah, That's but people, he did
2: the first iteration of that in WCW. Like the yes,
3: l- l- But y- Chris, trust me, in Los Angeles, that Latino Heat gimmick was huge. It was monstrous out here because People saw a lot of them in 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 Eddie with the with the hoopty and 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 the lie cheat steal gimmick. That was that was over way more than anything Eddie did in WCW. I I love WCW Eddie more than more than WWF Eddie. Don't get me wrong, but the character, which I found slightly tinged with racism, let's put it that way, over huge with crowds. Let me get to the rest of this top 25. 11, The Rock, not there. Sasha Banks, number 12, on SmackDown. She is, right now, the biggest women's star they have, and she is a star, and she has one foot out the door to go live in Star Wars land.
2: And, and right now, they have her positioned as a heel, too.
3: Yeah. Number 13, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> really? <laughs> guess... guess... <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that kills me, though. It's like people lo- people have forgiven Hulk Hogan. Okay, cool. Number 14, Ric Flair, no longer with the company. Number uh, 15, Imagine
2: wearing a Hulk Hogan t-shirt in
3: 2021. I, do, I, 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 mm, I can't. Mm, I can't. Number 15, Daniel Bryan, no longer with the company. Number 16, Rhea Ripley on Raw. Number 17, Drew McIntyre on Raw. Number 18, Finn Balor. Who's just been made to look like a geek over on SmackDown? That'll kill his merch. Number nineteen, Kane. Kane is number nineteen in your top <laughs> Number twenty, the RK Bro shirt, which is considered inactive as well. Or that just may be because they put it as a team, but I am under the opinion that RK Bro is dead after Monday. Number 21, The Macho Man Randy Savage, no longer taking calls. Number 22, Bianca Belair on SmackDown. Finally, someone, some new blood on this list in addition to Rhea Ripley. Number 23, Bad Bunny still doing merch. Number 24, The SummerSlam drawstring bag, and number 25, Bret Hart, legend, not on the show. Where where is where is this plethora of talent? Where is their gear on here? Where is Owens and Zane and uh, you know buying the SummerSlam
2: t-shirts really bad when you're not even at SummerSlam. Like that that really is the statement of I don't care about these stars. I'm going to buy right. the pay-per-view t-shirt for a pay-per-view I didn't even attend.
3: And they're paying for the SummerSlam t-shirt mostly probably because John to remember John Cena's run here. That's the other thing is that Cena, Cena's the draw for SummerSlam. So, and maybe, maybe Goldberg, maybe, but this thing- Well, if he
2: was such a draw for SummerSlam, wouldn't we see it in the merch sales? I think maybe the tale of Goldberg not necessarily being that interesting is even borne out in the legend sales. If Kane's beating Goldberg, what does that say about Goldberg?
3: What does this say about this roster, though, that that these this should be full of guys that are your current stars and it's nothing but member berries on this damn thing. That's that's the thing. And so if you're going to say, well, it's a PC's fault, we're not creating stars. You have two rosters full of people who you haven't made worth a damn on this roster of Vince McMahon. And that's not creative's fault. That's not that's not even maybe Bruce Prichard and John Lorne fault. Don't get me wrong. They're higher ups, but. The buck stops with you. You got to make some guys on here, and and what you're doing is, well, almost as tall. Commander Aziz is big. We'll just do these clownish angles to make them look stupid. It, it, I, I floor's yours first.
2: No, second. It, it's really frustrating because, like, here's one who you don't even really see in the list: Kofi Kingston. Uh, And you should You know
3: the new day. There's nothing about the new day on here. And they were your biggest baby faces. They were some of your biggest merch sellers. And they're not even in the top 25 anymore because you've, you've dumbed them down to such a point.
2: Yeah. Uh, And Kingston is a guy who should be a star right now. You gave him a WrestleMania level push. You gave him Kofi mania. He's not even moving merch for you. Uh, That is, Beyond the mistreatment of Kofi, um, I, I mean, it's sad that the fans have lost interest in him. I think it's just a really bad indicator for the company. Uh, and then, I mean, we, we we need to get to SmackDown tonight in the Cena promo, but my head is still kind of spinning from the weird breaking of the fourth wall Cena promo that he did here tonight. <laughs>
3: Well, before we go on, support for Shake Them Ropes is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over two million men worldwide. Let's make that three million Shake Them Ropes listeners, because we have an exclusive offer for for you guys: twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code Ropes at Manscaped.com. They have sent us. Gifts they have come bearing gifts, they have given us product. Both Chris and I are users. I am a user of their nose hair trimmer as well, which is spectacular because, as a bald man, it, go, it sucks. What, what happens to the hair is it sucks into your head and goes out through your nose and just grows out all over the place. But Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever the Lawnmower 3.0, their third generation trimmer featuring a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I do now feel confident shaving my boys. I shaved them in the shower this morning. The trimmer comes with an LED light for a more precise shave and is waterproof. To that fact, it makes your shower sh- clean and easy, much easier to shave in the shower with the steam and the relaxation than just dry shaving in down there and, and just things things can get bad. Trust me, I've 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 i myself down there. Chris, you ever nick yourself down there? That ain't fun. Uh,
2: no, it's not. That's not a. That's not a good place to be. You don't. You don't want to be nicking yourself down there. And if you you have hot water and the kit for manscaped, uh, you know, you're just you're, you're you're basically in paradise when it comes to this situation.
3: And then after after you give your boys a haircut, after they're looking pretty, you you know, in some high end barbershops, they put on a little bit of the cologne, a little bit of the aftershave, make you feel good. Well. Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant and Moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? The duck butter maker. Your balls stink, kids.
2: But, but beyond Scott. that, Jeff, it feels good. It, it, it takes paradise and makes it a little bit sweeter, like ambrosia. <laughs>
3: Ambrosia. (laughs) Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, the crop reviver, their product along with the crop preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, sticking, running around like hoodlums in the neighborhood. (laughs) Talking talking to talking to strange people, dealing drugs, you know, all the things that balls do in a neighborhood. (laughs) But Manscaped threw in two free gifts in their perfect package. A pair of high performance Manscaped boxer briefs. I'll keep your junk your fellas feeling fresh all day and a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ropes. Remember the code there Hawkins at manscape.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code R O P E S ropes, unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscape. We're happy. They're back. I use their, as I was saying, Chris, when you kind of went away, I use their nose hair trimmer too. They got, look, if you don't want, the perfect package 3.0 and why wouldn't you? Go to their website, put in our code. There's something for you guys. Cause cause all of us need some grooming help. So thank you for your sponsorship, Manscaped. Uh, any final words for our sponsor,
2: Chris? Yeah, make your berries merry with Manscaped.
3: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna steal that for next week if we have a read ever again. Um last other bit of news before we get into more general wwe talk uh king and queen of the ring are both gonna happen this year guess where the finals are yeah but
2: where is it jeff that's where that's what i want to
3: know the kingdom of saudi arabia which already has a king (laughs) you know i yeah i i just you know I get, you know, it was it was fine for women to be wrestling in bodysuits one match. That's okay. I just, I think we're... T-
2: <laughs> well, it- the idea here, especially when it was initially being pitched, is that this was going to be some sort of, among other things, yes, it was going to be good for business, but this might actually serve as some sort of nudging mechanism, culturally speaking, and, like, that's mm-hmm. completely out the window. This is entirely yes. a vanity parade for one warlord prince who has blood all over his hands <laughs> I,
3: will
1: I have take i have
3: money for this show though i will <laughs> i
2: have nuanced views on the kingdom of saudi arabia
3: very 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 nuanced mine are a little different but uh nevertheless uh yeah i just you know what i actually i'm gonna go a little optimist slash positive on this and i'll tell you why I don't like King of the Ring. I don't like Queen of the Ring. I think they're stupid. I think having people <laughs> the the biggest thing that King of the Ring does, it doesn't build up a contender for your for your title. No, it gives Vince a chance to dress somebody up in a stupid costume, have him have him pack a crown in his in his go bag and and you know for Booker T speaking a funny accent and and go around he's the king of the ring and have a of unofficial title feud with someone if they can just keep king of the ring and queen of the ring to saudi arabia shows i am fine with that now i know they're going to bring it back to the states and i'm going to have to do something like like <laughs> we've had king corbin this is going to be king uh xavier woods I, I I they're going to give it to him. They got to give it to him. Right. He campaigns for it.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess. Unless, of course, uh, Mohammed bin Salman doesn't want that.
3: King Jinder Mahal. That's what we're going to get.
2: <laughs> it, I mean, you, you say that jokingly, but it's entirely possible that Jinder Mahal ends up winning this because he's the type of guy that Vince likes to buffoon up. And you could have Shanky and the other guy as his loyal servants. Like, this is exactly the type of thing that Ginger, I'm um, Ginger Mahal type of character wins.
3: Okay, loose thoughts on the TV shows. That's the end of the news. Lazy River, wherever you want to go. You wanted to talk John Cena first, so let's go with it.
2: Yeah, so this Cena promo, I, you know, I, I guess I'll start with this. Uh, before we get into the Cena promo, last week I had this sort of penciled down as a thing we didn't get to. I didn't care for the Cody promo where he broke the fourth wall a whole lot at the end of the wrestling sh- or in the wrestling show, and we've seen this now with Cena too. And I, I don't think it works. Like I, I don't. Time has changed, but this like ah you guys know what's going on right now. All it does is pull you out of the show that you're supposed to be watching it makes you think about like the broader industry and stuff. And so when Cena mentions CM Punk, uh, when he talks about, you know, maybe I'll take the belt and I'll wave bye-bye. Um, or when he mentions John Moxley getting ran out of uh, town by Roman Reigns, or the fact that like Roman Reigns has been pushed down our throats for 10 years and it's taken a really long time to take. Um, and that, um, among other things like John Cena of all people supposed to be the guy who's going to write this grand wrong I just think all of it rings a bit hollow and then like pulls you out of the scene and that's unfortunate because I actually thought John Cena was really on tonight and um once he kind of settled into the one two three thing I thought that that was a really solid John Cena promo but he I mean, he's always been given free reign to say what he wants to say. And I think this time his instincts really didn't do this company, which needs kind of steady and consistent good shows right now. Any favors by reminding people that John Moxley's on the other channel and CM Punk's going to be there soon.
3: I'll get smacked down by our friends at SmackDown if I am incorrect on this. But let me ask you something, and maybe I'm wrong on it. I feel like their instinct here is what they tried to do with Cena Rock and what they did with what they've been doing with these types of feuds for the past few years. Did they outthink themselves and think that there were people who were going to boo John Cena that were trying to get the whole let's go Cena, Cena sucks? type Of thing going, and that there were people who were going to boo Cena because it's like week three and we're done with him, and that there are Roman Re- Reigns fans cheering for him, and they're trying to get that 50 50 split in the audience when everybody's just happy to have John Cena back. And, and and, did and I imagine yeah, that? Or,
2: yeah, no, I, I thought that I, I was that was another thing I was noticing tonight that the let's go Cena and the Cena sucks chance were weaker. And maybe they get better at SummerSlam or whatever, but people don't hate Cena. Um, I mean, no. you know, yeah, like, they're I happy, mean,
3: they're happy this time around because they actually have somebody. And, and he's good. Beat him.
2: Yeah. yeah, like, like outside, if he wasn't wearing the green t shirt and the jean shorts, like, if he was out, I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times, but like, if he was out there in just like a standard white button up shirt in khaki slacks or in jeans or whatever and just cutting this promo on Roman. Like, this is a great promo. Like, he's a really engaging microphone talent. Um, what he lacks in the ring, he more than makes up for in his ability to tell a story and work a crowd and do all the stuff that a main event level guy does. Um, and yeah, no, it's a privilege to watch him work. So it's, it's I just have a hard time imagining anyone going, Cena sucks. I mean, even for nostalgia, you know, it's at this point, Cena's going to get the you sucks like Kurt Angle gets the you sucks. Like, you know, which happened briefly and then they're done because no one actually hates him anymore. Um, he's not a 50-50 guy now. And I, I'm with you. They, they I think, I, I mean, I also think they're having a hard time finding the mark with Roman, too, right now. Um, the, the Roman's reaction to Cena's stuff was a little too cute by half, I thought. Um, yeah. it, like he was being so subtle that I don't think it actually gave Roman any edge.
3: I would agree there. I think absence has made the heart grow fonder. Now that Cena's not on every week, doing his shabadoo. I'm here in this town and we gonna party tonight. Woo! You know that kind of annoying crap that he did every week. I think people are gonna are gonna like him in this run, and then they're gonna miss him. When he goes away and he's going to come back, he's going to be a, a huge baby face again. They're not annoyed by him because he's not getting shoved down the throat every week.
2: Yeah, he's not going to be on multiple segs. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, they're going to have him come out. He's going to do his seg. It's going to be maybe 10 minutes, but it's going to be on the shorter side of 15 minutes, generally speaking. And he'll be and, and that's plenty of Cena and it'll all be good. He won't overstay his welcome, or even if he does overstay his welcome, it'll only be for a minute or two. It won't be like some of the old shows in the last decade where Cena would come out in the first hour, in the second hour, and then wrestle a stinker of a match in the final hour.
3: First hour is 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 that is that big pandering promo. Second hour is the backstage segment. Third hour, he comes out. He beats one of your favorite tag teams just to prove that he's a superstar. And we go on. Yeah, it's uh, where, where'd you go? Oh, there he is. I, um, I,
2: I walk off screen sometimes because it's not, you know, you know there's certain things. Because you're bored things by me. I get no, line. there's certain things we don't need to see on camera, Jeffrey Hawkins.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh you, you know what isn't subtle chris mysterio- jeff Hawkins. no mysterio family theater eh, oh we got another thing of that son i don't want you to make a mistake this week oh don't go out- gee dad i chris did you know that ray and dom are father and son because i'll tell you if you didn't know michael cole and pat mcafee both reminded you over and over again and and i'm going to tell you something chris They've been father and son for two decades. And by the look of these of these of these segments, you'd never know that they'd ever met each other. <laughs> yes, father. Yes, son.
2: No, it's it's <laughs> what Ray is talking to Dominic about, too. Like these really basic fundamental concepts that you would just assume at some point between boyhood and manhood, Ray would have imparted this, <laughs> like, you know. Remember. <laughs> Tag Team Wrestling has some certain nuances here, so i like, Dad, I wish you had told me this before I was 30. Jeez.
3: Were you, a, were you in a coma this whole time when Ray was wrestling? And now you've come out of this coma, and now Ray has... <laughs> I want... Oh, here impromptu shake them ropes here. Ray gives Dom the talk.
1: <laughs> All
2: right, I, I'm, am I Dom, or are, are you Dom? Who's Ray?
3: Do you, do you, do you, do you want to be Ray? I'll be right. I'll be right. give you the, I'll the, right. the meaty part. I'll give you the okay. meaty part this time. Okay. Go, go for it.
2: All right, son. Tonight we're gonna go out and we're gonna face Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. And you need to keep your head on a swivel. Remember, there's two of them.
3: Chris, you're missing the Chris. You missed the bit. The talk, not not this talk. Oh oh talk. I, <laughs> oh, oh
2: oh oh! I thought it was a talk about tag teams.
3: No, 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 no. Birds and the bees. If you still want to continue and be Rey Mysterio, I'm all for it. If you want to switch up, I can do that.
2: Son, I don't know if you've noticed this, (laughs) but there are two different types of people, generally speaking, in this world. We are progressive here. But you might have noticed that girls make you feel a certain way sometimes, son. Do you ever feel that way?
3: Dad? I've noticed my body going through certain changes.
2: And you I'm a are going through changes.
3: Father, and it's o- I am. It's okay as to be son. frightened. <laughs> I- as your son, this puberty scares me so. <laughs> what do I do if I talk to a girl, Father?
2: As my son, it is important <laughs> for me <laughs> to give you advice as your father. And it's important when you're talking to a girl to remember to keep your head on a swivel. Because tonight we're facing...
3: (laughs) Father, what will I do if I have to use a prophylactic? (laughs)
2: Son, I'm going to get this banana out and I'm going to demonstrate (laughs) for you.
3: Okay, that's enough. Oh, dear God. Oh, God bless Ray and Dom, but this is some level one improv crap they're, they're doing. Level like, you one? Even,
2: level you one. Even
3: had, yes, it is. I mean, it's like. I don't,
2: that's even, generous, man. I, I, I mean, these guys. Uh, have you two
3: ever been in the same room together? That's what I want to know. That's how bad it was. At, at some
2: point, you just have to try with Ray Mysterio and go, Ray, Dom. 30 seconds, let's spend 15 minutes here and we'll just do some takes and let's try to get one and see if they can just get something going. Cause like this stinks. And if you're gonna push Dominic, and I think the like the the long-term angle with this is Dom turns on Ray. Uh like this has got to be more compelling because the goal has to be to make Dom a star at the end of this.
3: <laughs> Ray walks into frame, looks at Dominic, and starts talking. Ray, don't don't read the stage directions. Whatever you do. <laughs> oh my only other WWE ray walks you know. into
2: frame and he says hello to his son <laughs> hello dominic
3: turns smiles <laughs> no ray don't read the directions the hell's your problem
2: <laughs> no the betrayal <laughs> scene's gonna be great too when, when ray gets betrayed by dom that's gonna be classic
3: oh i i t- oh god that's gonna be so barbershop
2: window stuff yeah oh. it's gonna be really good
3: I, I take it back. I have two points. I'll, I'll get the weaker of the two out now as a as a mint as a refresher. Uh, Elias, <laughs> really? We're gonna rebrand that guy. After I mean, dude, just make him a baby face because people love the gimmick back then. I mean, it, I, I figured out, Chris. It's gonna be Elias. It's gonna be Baron Corbin. The hobo army is back, baby. <laughs>
2: This is, uh, I mean, this is another fine example. I I think they're done with Elias. I think that they they are just done with this. Obviously, they're done with the character. I think they're done with the performer. Uh, But this is a guy who, uh, oddly, to all of us who watch a lot of wrestling and who maybe watched real hero videos uh, on the regular basis and like that kind of work rate, Elias is really over. Uh, People liked him. He wasn't mentioned in our merch sales, like when we were doing our rundown, because like you know he hasn't been you know featured heavily in recent you know weeks here, and they got interrupted because of COVID, and he wasn't a big piece of the COVID you know era either, other than his infinity feud with Jackson Riker. But like this is a guy who his guitar antics were over. People liked the songs. People were ready for him to be a baby face. People were ready to cheer for him. And the one time they made him a baby face, it was sort of going well until they started making it too comedy-ish. If he just came out, did his guitar thing, let everyone clap along as he cut a little promo on the person he was going to face, um, and then had his match, and maybe won more of them than he lost, he was going to be just fine with these audiences, and he could have been a really good gatekeeper babyface to feed to a heel you're trying to build, build up.
3: Are they done with Jackson Riker?
2: I... I mean, I don't know that they ever really liked Jackson Riker. I think they were just using Jackson Riker. Okay. He was, yeah. So I, I mean, they could be done with that guy tomorrow. I mean, look at the way they've been well, cutting well, people. Well,
3: I know a lot of a lot of people don't like it. I get it, but I, I was just asking the question. Uh, no,
2: no, no. I'm not saying. I'm not even saying because of his views on life or whatever. Right? Like, I'm just saying, like, I don't think that the way they've been presenting him is we want to hold on to this guy. And I don't. I mean, inside the ring. Yeah, he's got a good physique, but he doesn't really have a great match style or anything that's worth keeping.
3: Baron Corbin's going to win in Vegas, isn't he? That's the end game of it. I do not understand this story because there's no logical progression because usually these are redemption stories and he's not redemptive. And I get that that's for the heat, but then it's just going to build more heat when he has money, right?
2: I mean, I don't know. That it's building heat. Like it's just sort of I in a holding pattern.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: No, no, We've I know, got but two shows this. Yeah, week but I mean, yeah, but God. he's a, he's a schlub, uh, like, and and yeah. I mean to to this point, you know, it's not like he sells merchandise. He's just a schlub character that they like overutilize.
3: Let's bring this into it, just because I'm looking for trouble. Our friend David Bixenspan, old Bix, thinks that this is Vince McMahon projecting his views on poor people. Any thoughts?
2: Um, no. I think that this Baron Corbin character is almost more inspired by Steve Martin's The Jerk. Like, all I I need is this uh, candlestick, all I need is this chair, this candle... Yeah, like... All I need is a small one hundred thousand dollar loan. I mean, I I don't. I see more of an old timey comedy trope thing going on here, and I tend to think with Vince McMahon, that's like he has like five movies that rattle around in his brain. He may and, have
3: finally seen the jerk.
2: Right, right, right. It's it's yeah. it's old enough that it's it, it's finally you know acceptable watching for him.
3: Um, and at the end of that segment. He stole the money in the bank briefcase. Are we doing this again for the second effing year in a row where we're not going to take this champion seriously and the, and somehow the briefcase is going to be taken? Although this may be setting up Big E versus Corbin for the briefcase.
2: That right. might be the deal. It's a ladder match for the money and Baron needs the money, but he probably still loses it there too.
3: I just do not, I hope they don't do the Otis thing again, where it's like litigation. (laughs) And then, and then it's a match. And then it get he gets screwed out of it. It's just make, make these, make these money. The bank wins mean something, please. Please?
2: I I do. I, I, yeah, I very much am anti taking the briefcase away, even by crook. Um, when someone wins it, that needs to be binding. Um, it's, it's essentially like uh Chekhov's gun thing and like you yeah. know if it, it you can't like it once someone grabs a gun you can't have someone run and just like snatch it out of their hands like uh, that that I think breaks some sort of storytelling rule
3: <laughs> yeah or I turn the bullets into magic beans as you shoot them no yeah yeah
2: no the the, but they're reverse bullets now yeah yeah no no the gun has to still work like a normal gun
3: So new Intercontinental champ, Shinsuke Nakamura.
2: King Nakamura, King Nakamura.
3: Oh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, AEW having a hell of a week at the debut of Rampage. And I thought Dynamite was a pretty hot fire show as well. New Impact champion and Christian. I think that is a good move. I think all these all the belts except the AEW one are coming off of Kenny. Because I think I think he's losing the Triple A belt to Andrade at Triple Mania. Uh, I think this is a good way. for I don't know if they're going to keep Christian in the main event, though, still at, uh, at All Out. I think uh, I think there are a couple of high-profile names, one who could show up in Chicago next week, who might they might just put in at the top match immediately. Uh, but I thought, I thought this Kenny Omega-Christian match was pretty damn good.
2: Oh, I thought so. I I really liked this match. Um, Look, I think Christian works a well-paced match. Um, Like, you know, he takes a good high bump, and he knows when to use his high bumps, and he'll always take one or two good high off the top. Like, he'll either do a move off the top, or he'll take a fall from the top to the outside. And, and that offers some variety in the matches. When he needs to ramp up the pace, he because he works slower earlier in the matches, that snaps into gear. I I find his matches to be, uh, very, like they they sort of scratch a niche, like. they're kind of like a George Harrison soul in the sense that they have like four sections. And so they're a little bit predictable and blocky in that way, but I like that. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of format. And if it works, don't change it. Um, I, yeah, I'm glad that he's champion. I think it'll give impact a little bit of, uh, It'll give Impact, one, a bit of a nostalgia factor and some continuity back to their old days. But two, I also think it'll give them a nice through line back to AEW and maybe draw some eyes from AEW over to Impact as well.
3: 2X having a good week on Dynamite this week, in my opinion. I thought (laughs) 2.0 were pretty good. Uh, or actually, that might be dark. I'm thinking of that. It's all coming together. But they ha- they they're having a nice little run here for a month, and they're going to be in a tag team match next week with Sting and Darby Allen. Seems they've landed on their feet.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh one one last thought uh, on the previous topic. I think CM Punk when he comes in, there's a decent chance he gets inserted as the special guest referee for the Kenny Omega. Uh, Christian Cage match, and that's how we get Punk into the initial fray. Pre- I don't think they blow off the Cage thing entirely. I think Christian has a match against Omega where he loses so that Omega can get his heat back a little bit, um, get his momentum back because he's still got to drop these other belts so he's kind of got to like, balance that out a little bit as the champion of sorts um, but you do need to get Punk into the action as soon as possible. Um, EverRise uh, 2.0, I love them. I love who they're paired with too, this Daniel Garcia. I think he's mm-hmm. great. Um, I, I think that Ever Eyes as like he they're, he's a good foil for them, they're a good foil for him.
3: Dante Martin, pretty damn spectacular in that opener on, on Wednesday.
2: Yes. I I thought so. Um I no, the only reason I'm hesitant on this is that like on Dynamite I liked the entire show minus the Bucks Omega match um, and Jericho's match uh, with uh, Wardlow because I I mean I just I it's been a lot of Jericho recently and let's uh, talk
3: I, a little bit about that. That's a good transition. Rampage. We have a four man booth and Chris Jericho is in his full I hate that guy mode all friggin' night. I I know they put him on there to bring energy, bring bring Mister Energy in. But man, it's just too much. It's it's, no, you know,
2: when we were talking about John Cena earlier in the show and we were talking about how like the battle there is a John Cena, he'd be in way too many segs and like what makes him good is that he's in just the one seg and then you're done with him. This is how Jericho should be getting used. He should be in one seg a show and, and that's it. And they've got him in the booth. Going through a multi-week ordeal thing with another match with MJF that has been going on for months. Like, there's just too much Jericho right now. We should be seeing no more than 10 minutes of him on every show.
3: Yeah, I, um, no, it, it was funny. There's a moment I watched, uh, I think this was Dark Elevation, maybe, or, no, was it was not the one that White's not on, the one that's just Excalibur and Taz. Is that Dark or Dark Elevation? I watched both and I can't remember. But Taz, I think it's Dark Elevation. Okay. <laughs> Excalibur, they have they have this back and forth, and it's it's only for the improv geeks in the audience, which is basically me and a couple other people. But, uh, but, but Excalibur sets up Taz, and it's the wingman coming up, and he goes, man, Taz, you've been in a lot of locker rooms. Uh, you, you have a lot of relationships with a lot of guys in there. And he goes, yeah, a lot of guys. It's like, uh, what's your thoughts on the wingman? Never, never talk to them. And Excalibur is just like, and if I got this from somebody in AEW, Excalibur was like, that was such a jerk move. So he had to kind of put Taz in his place. So he just he goes, you know, Taz, someday I'd really just like to do a Herald with you. Because Improv is all about yes and, but uh, yeah, they, the, <laughs> that popped a couple people backstage at at uh, AEW as well just putting Taz in his place. Thought Taz was okay here but Jericho's a little overwhelming. One other thought, especially on this Rampage show, Britt Baker, of course, a mega babyface in Pittsburgh. That said, I I like have the idea of having regional babyface, like hometown babyface but heel everywhere else except in her hometown. You know she's going to be huge there. Why are you introducing Jamie Hayter for a post-match beatdown at the end of this show? Because they cheered that, Chris, and that's not supposed to be the reaction no, here. No,
2: no, I thought I thought that this uh, was a good match. Uh, this main event was a good match. This should have been a double turn. It would have been white hot everyone would have absolutely been nuclear for uh brit baker to try to win the match you should have had red velvet annihilate rebel on the outside um and, and
3: stopping on that arm stop it's stopping and on, the stopping arm. on that, and, and never
2: never ever, take the crutch from rebel and use it on brit baker because that's only going to make brit hotter and here's the thing I, I get the regional babyface argument. Problem with that is you put so much mileage into Britt Baker loves Tony Schiavone, which is not a regional babyface. That's an entire AEW babyface. If you're, if you're coming to Tony Schiavone's aid, you are not a babyface just in Pittsburgh. You're a babyface everywhere where AEW runs. They've put time into that. Uh, I also think that red velvet is, is going to get booed now anyways coming out of this match, so you might as well have went in that direction. Um, Britt Baker is too popular. Uh, it's not like Red Velvet's going to get her babyface heat back next week. She's not. She's going to be stuck in the mud here a little bit right now. I should I should suspect. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong, and if I am, I'll own it. But I think that this should have been the Austin Hart- Double turn played out with Britt Baker and Red Velvet. Make Red Velvet your new heel. That this is a vicious woman who will do anything to win the title. And I'll tell you what. I know it's a little WWE. All oh, you're going to make her lose in her hometown. You got to have her lose in the hometown. I want Red Velvet. I want Red Velvet to look like a killer because she's going to be an undersized heel coming out of this and she needs to be an undersized heel champion who will do anything it takes to win. I thought the debut of Jamie Hayter, like she looks great, um, but I thought that that was mistimed. I didn't think it was... I mean, to your point, when Britt Baker is stopping Red Velvet's face into the belt, the signaling that AEW was trying to do is... Remember, everybody, Britt Baker's actually a heel, and Red Velvet's a baby face. And, and you know she's a babyface, everybody, because, remember, she's cheated in all these matches, or Britt Baker's cheated in all these matches against Red Velvet. Here's the problem. Even before we were in Pittsburgh, or well, actually, I guess we had this in Dynamite when they were in Pittsburgh, people were already cheering all the antics. And actually, no, the week before we got to Pittsburgh, people were cheering the antics. No one holds Britt Baker cheating to win those matches against Red Velvet against Britt Baker, and that's a key problem in trying to... To keep red velvet baby face or keep red velvet at baby face at that level. So unless the goal was to de-push her, which would be stupid, 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 because red velvet is money, this should have been the opportunity and the time to turn her heel and, dare I say it, make her champ. I know Britt Baker is white hot. Here's the deal: she's gonna be a star regardless. Um, she's a star with or without that belt at this point. She's a great champion, but I she's made. Uh, this is the time to make red velvet. This was the time to make Britt Baker an absolute pure baby facing the leader of this division. And I don't think this match accomplished either, even though it sort of had her over in Pittsburgh.
3: I do really like red velvet. I think she's improved quite a bit. Uh, And I do think she could play a good heel. I wanted her to take a powder though. that, that's (laughs) that first time they locked up. I just wanted her to go out. I wanted her to play this heel thing up and, she didn't quite get to it because you saw there were moments where it's like, oh, is she gonna go after the arm or not? That's why you bit on it being a heel turn, I think. Well, she did um, it a few
2: she did it a few times, and then during the break, which this is also a really questionable decision, during the break we have Rebel come in and hard cheat on behalf yes. of Britt Baker on Redfell. I which I thought was just questionable booking. Cause you want to present Re- you wanna present Baker as a babyface in Pittsburgh. And if you didn't, then don't hand out the friggin' towels.
3: More on questionable booking in a second, but uh, I will say this, AEW mics their crowds great. This crowd for Dynam- or for Rampage was fantastic. It felt like a very 1980s crowd. They were hot for everything. The crowd for Dynamite 2 was pretty darn great. Whatever they're doing, it doesn't feel like the cold miking of a WWE thing where it's like there, there's there's no sweetening to me going on with these with the miking here as opposed to wwe where you can tell things are being sweetened it doesn't feel artificial to me
2: i i I agree i agree um i i guess we'll mention it now before we move on to the next topic before i like it slips out of my brain one thing that does keep you know in the back of my head is i because it's like my job too like the current coronavirus numbers are continuing to tick upwards and i just keep wondering how many more months of running these big live events aew and wwe have left and i will say this um as i said last week if the clock kind of uh strikes midnight here and there's they're not able to run live events anymore and it's back to Daly's place in the thunderdome that is a really bad situation for WWE because we know they don't make good television in the Thunderdome and uh, they've the roster's only more depleted now than it was. I think AEW is winning this like hand over fist.
3: I don't think either is going to shut down. That's just at this point. Eventually,
2: eventually, things will. There will be a point where they're not able to run in many states, or they're going to have to run with many restrictions. I like, or they're running nonstop in Florida, in Texas, in perpetuity. And even that, I
3: think.
0: No, but
2: here's the problem with that. So then these cities. I mean, you know, these cities are at loggerheads with these governors um and where is wwe going to run out in waco texas no they're going to try to run in houston they're going to try to run in dallas they're going to try to run in austin they're going to be subject to the city ordinances um and that could place a problem for them uh yeah they're going to try to run in these states with favorable governors um but the big metros that they need to hit don't necessarily have uh the same laissez-faire just go ahead and uh, take your chances approach
3: Let's talk bad booking to sum up. The, do you have anything else for AEW across the board?
2: A strong week. I, I mean, Rampage yeah. about as strong of a debut on Rampage as you could get. I thought it was just an energetic show. I'm looking forward to watching it next week. It was easy cheesy. Like it was my third an hour, hour
3: and, of, and you're out. You're and it great. was
2: my third hour of watching. And I was like, Yeah, this, this is fun. I enjoyed this. Um, and, one hour is a good vehicle for them to have one good match every week. Two matches of people that they want you to get into, and they're out. Maybe an angle.
3: Oh, here's the other arcane reference I was proud of tonight that I that I made. Uh, do you remember? Were you a big UWF fan or not? I've or watched, watched a fair
2: amount. Ma- ma- I've come around on it. I, I haven't I haven't sat and actually done like not, sequential. Not Abram,
3: Not Abrams. The, the 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 Bill Watts one.
2: Yeah, yeah, the earlier one. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
3: you remember Mike Boyette? Mm-hmm. Owen fifty, Mike Boyette. Yes. they just yes, yes, yes. did that with, with Fuego del Sol, and they did it great. I thought, I thought, I thought that the entire thing was great. You've lost all these times. Now we're going to give you a contract.
2: Oh well, it was. What yeah. was good about it is it really it was important to get the audience behind him and have that moment where the crowd was really into him, mm-hmm. so that it signals to other audiences. And this is, I think, AEW is doing a really good job getting their audience reactions right now. Um signaling to other audiences that fuego del sol is our lovable underdog sammy likes him we love sammy like that was good uh you know um oh, tony khan comp- on camera likes
3: him yes they yeah. care about him that's that's why i was yeah. gonna go with the tony khan thing if you didn't bring it up but continue
2: yeah yeah, had tony khan on camera and, and then jericho doing that ridiculous extremely loud line of tony
3: khan's ever been on camera ever before
2: uh, I like I I rem I remember when he reversed that Kenny Omega uh thing a few months ago.
3: Please use your voice, Chris. I love I love Jericho, but man, this latter stage Jericho is killing me right now. Uh, let's end with NXT of oh, any variety. NXT UK did nothing for me, so I don't care.
2: Uh, yeah, it was a nothing. I, and that just although
3: they're putting they're putting Joseph Connor in a shark cage, and I'm telling you, making bait. <laughs> throw him in the ocean
2: <laughs> how dare you you say nxt never makes stars and joseph cotters is there
3: how dare you how dare you how no how dare you how dare you i said i said
2: it first i said it first um uh, uh, amel they continue to, they continue to work on her i mean look she's developing i mean she's not She's not like gonna be like amazing, but like they, they she's she done- killed
3: Nina Samuels, who you know deserves mm. to die. So no, mm. I mean, <laughs> on TV, she's not gonna be. I mean, it's it, again, it's 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 two of your favorite performers. It, it's your Sophie's Choice, Chris. You keep <laughs> saying you this pick? about
2: Amel. I'm not that in like Nina's. I I would rather them do more with the Nina character. Okay, Amel Amel doesn't actually have a character. She's just like the That's French right. Hope. She's just angry.
3: She's just angry. What's your character? Angry French person. You're in. Oh, wow. But we had all this news talk about NXT making stars. What did they do with Ilya Dragunov losing to Pete Dunne before takeover? Number 1, nobody watches. He's beating watches. Walter.
2: He's going to beat no. Walter and then his no. first match is going to be against Dunn.
3: No. No, I think Pete Dunn gets put into this match. I think that's what happens. And because you know why? Nobody has watched Off and Walter. You want to know why? Cuz they haven't shown it on NXT. That's only been on NXT UK. And hardly any I mean the the views for that are below you know <laughs> Somebody taking a dump from the main roster on there, like WWE Twenty Four. Drew McIntyre goes to the bathroom, and and that that will rate higher than NXT UK, which I love, but nobody's watched it. They haven't played it on the NXT TV, so nobody knows how hot of a feud this is. It's something. I, no, just they've done package.
2: The they've done packages for Dragon off, and uh, it's well, okay. They, yeah, but no, I'm just I'm just, I'm just match- saying that they've no they've. I'm just, I the only reason I think this stays a singles match is because they really have built all these packages around it. That's that's just my only thought on that. I I I think Dragonoff wins. Um I I mean I I, I don't know. The, I, the
3: only the only way I see Dragonoff winning is if they've convinced Walter to go to the main roster.
2: I think that might I be a thing. I don't think he's
3: going to do. I don't yeah. think he's going to do it. I think he likes staying in Europe. But
2: but but, but he might he might be able work. to leverage a huge contract oh, like yeah. Th- yeah for WWE right now he could leverage m- cuz we were talking the other day uh, or last episode about like they can't just shake the wrestler tree and new wrestlers come out right like walter is really a is an answer for a lot of their problems right now uh, in terms of who's our new monster heel you bring in walter you've got your new monster heel you I mean you 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 know we're talking 6 <laughs> Um, I mean, I was seeing a sign tonight to bring back Ryback. Like these are the <laughs> that was in the what? crowd tonight in SmackDown. Did you see that? Bring back the big no, guy. No, I did not. Yeah, oh yeah, my God. yeah. Like that's. I mean, this is what Vince has let the pull from. He, there's not that Wouldn't many. Shock
3: me if they did. It I know me if they did.
2: it would not shock, especially with the new paradigm of like you gotta be six foot two. Do you gotta be big? No, I, this is what I'm saying. If if you're Walter, I don't know. I know it's WWE is probably not like exciting and being in Europe is your preference. Now is absolutely the time where you could get Vince to go. I would say the upper ballpark of six figures, probably into seven figures for this main roster contract. You've established yourself as as a champion in the company. Vince needs tall people. Like uh, you insert your metaphor here. Um, you know, uh, that's my thought. I think Dragonov wins this title.
3: I, I'm sorry. I started to laugh there. I started imagining the rumored meeting at SmackDown last week between Cole and Vince McMahon. And Cole's, <laughs> or Vince is telling him, look, we got all these ideas for you. Blah, blah, blah. And then in the corner of his eye, there's a monitor on. There's Walter. It's like, who the f is that? Screw you, shorty. Get me that guy <laughs> on the roster. That's Walter. You used him on a Survivor Series team. How how did I not put him up here
2: already? <laughs> and and he was over like Rover. I, I mean in, in terms of Walter, your your negotiation position has never been stronger. Um people when they saw Walter were ready for Walter, even though you haven't shown him on NXT UK, whatever.
3: Well, I'm he- I'm here, Vince. I'm here, I'm here to do the Adam Colbert. Get out of my office, pee-wee. <laughs> what the big Austrian fella. Yeah, uh, and the rest of NXT, to me. <laughs> Here's the well, thing about NXT. This- it, I
2: I kind of like the squash match format. For a long time, we've been talking, like, they need to sure. get back to the squash matches, and I thought that, you know, Gigi Dolan, it, new character, she needed a squash match. She had a squash match. Uh, who else? Who else do they have? Who was
3: with, with Gigi Dolan? Remind me. I, I, the name oh, was that JD, Jay, JC, JC, Jane,
2: name JC Jane? JC Jane. JC Jane.
3: Yeah. Uh that gimmick ain't working for her. No. <laughs> no. That was she was looking awkward trying to be sex bot. No, Gigi uh,
2: Dolan knows yeah, Gigi Dolan and... knows how to do this gimmick and like actually understands yes. her character and JC Jane is trying on something and it doesn't work. Um I I thought that uh man, the opening match between Dakota Kai and Saray was fun. I liked that.
3: Whew. I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get the lost for Saray. I know that uh, it was originally supposed to be Ember Moon, and you're deciding to beat somebody big. But man, this is this is the thing. This is what I don't get. You don't beat somebody until they need to be beat. Yeah, and that's after you after they've already reached their pinnacle to me, especially for a babyface. This was not the time. Uh, drag out somebody in the PC and just have Dakota Kai murder death her. Instead of this, we need a good match because you're not up against anybody head to head. You don't need the great matches anymore. You need to build stars. And it's much better to build up Dakota Kai, especially after she gets killed on Monday night in the main event taping by Aaliyah, of all people, who almost dropped her straight on her head with that DDT. Sir, sir. No, You're this should have went to a non
2: finish. I I agree. Serene, I, I, yeah, no, yeah, but the man. actual work was great. It was spirited. Yes. I, I mean, I, I love the pairing a lot. I, Dakota
3: I, Kai took three of those drop kicks. Man, they all looked a little snug, and it was great.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm here for that. I just I, I'm with you. Questionable the choice, but like again, that goes back to like you know Britt Baker and Ralph Velvet. Just because of the questionable finish doesn't make me entirely not enjoy the match. Um uh la night uh yeah andre chase uh i'm trying to see if there's anything else here he's
3: gonna get involved in these skits i just yeah. I, I don't i don't need that
2: but you know what uh, I'll, I, now you brought him up he had a little bit of a moment there on the microphone this uh this week he got a little lost uh in his promo
3: Oh, DiBiase?
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah, because they
3: won't let him ad lib. They won't let him ad lib. They had to do it word for word, and he forgot his line.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he really, he really was frozen up out there for a minute. Um, yeah, I felt bad for him because I'm like, dude, like, you know, DiBiase. Also, this like kinder gentler million dollar man character doesn't make any sense, right?
3: That's my fear. My fear is that DiBiase is gonna turn on Cameron Grimes and side with L.A. Knight. And it's just going to be more heat. And you're just like, well, then what the hell's the point of doing the Butler gimmick? You know, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I want to, I want to move Cameron Grimes away from LA night as quick as possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree.
3: Any, any deep thoughts on the date?
2: (laughs) Um, look, the, the way, this is what the way is supposed to do, you know, like these are that it, it, this is, I mean, we wanted last week, we wanted Dexter to join the family and and, we we wanted this. this. And like, like, so like, yes, it's stupid, but like, I don't, I, I hate the index thing, but if they're going to do it, this is exactly what I expect them to do. It doesn't, it doesn't excite me. I don't like it. I don't, it doesn't make me fiery angry or anything either, though.
3: I don't mind Gargano doing this. I miss him being a star. He's really good at this kind of comedy, though. He really is good at this. Um, by the way, yet another NXT women's tag team bites the dust. Candice LeRae is pregnant, so she will be leaving sooner than later. That just leaves us with Zoe and Io, Casey and Caden. That's it. That's your tag team division. Oh, oh, wait. We may have JC Jane and Gigi.
2: Don't. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, it managed by unify uh, the
3: titles. It's time to unify the titles with the ones on the main roster that they're not going to be using for a while either. So let's just get it out of the way since Vince doesn't care about women's wrestling. How about that? Uh, any other points to make or can we get out of here?
2: No, I think we're done finally.
3: Cool. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. I'd like to thank Manscaped once again. Twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code Ropes. Chris has a Patreon. He does politi- po- po- politic, politic podcast, political podcast. Get the adjective right, Hawkins. Called Don't Worry About the Government. That's where the DWATG comes, kids. He's going to tell you about it right now.
2: Yeah, don't worry about the government. Um, if you want now, uh, you can actually see the last part of every show. Like usually we tape like multiple segments. I'm now putting up a free segment on YouTube so you can search on YouTube for "Don't Worry About the Government" and watch a clip of it. If you want to watch the whole show, you can by supporting the show over at Patreon.com at Patreon.com/slash DWATG. You can get the entire show for free in an audio format on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, and, you know, check it out. Don't worry about the government is the name of the show.
3: Corbin's definitely winning a lot of money in Vegas. Shake them ropes. A little bit of bonus audio here about the suicide squad a subject. I can talk about for days on end, but I won't. I'll just stick to the movie. Um, a little bit of background, uh, the John Ostrander run of suicide squad, which pretty much starts with a, uh, a limited series called legends, is where they are introduced um, and then ran from about 1987 I think to about 1992 it's my favorite comic book I tried to option it to Warner Brothers at a time where they didn't want uh, comic book movies and my movie would have been very very different Harley Quinn nowhere to be seen I am NOT a fan of the Harley character I think Margot Robbie does a great job I just think she's a bit much uh, all the time but uh, for those of you who don't know what the Suicide Squad origins are, uh, it was actually a World War II era type comic book where Rick Flagg, his girlfriend, and a couple of friends, you know, it's, it's those World War II adventure books where, like, we're going to go to this island where there's dinosaurs. And uh, what happened to the original Suicide Squad was uh, a Yeti. Uh, try they tried to flee a yeti and uh the other three died other than rick flag so rick flag is kind of left uh to be an adventurer and to go about his merry way and he ends up with these uh with um the unknown heroes i think is the name of it. it it's a it's a group it has like the immortal man and and other things and so being close to the immortal man he never ages because he siphons off some of the amulet that he's wearing or whatever. And then he gets basically reintroduced in Legends with Ostrander. And Ostrander is such a great writer and and such a great he has great insight into the motivations of people of dubious morality. That is his thing. If you read his his they're in trade paperbacks, I, I highly recommend them. Uh, he he understands damaged people and why they do things. He was the creator of Amanda Waller. He was also in the Suicide Squad run. He's the creator of Oracle, if you're a big Batman fan. The Barbara Gordon Oracle. Uh, When no other writer ever wanted to touch Barbara Gordon after the killing joke, uh, John Ostrander stepped up. He really revamped characters like Captain Boomerang. Uh, His Deadshot is one of my favorite characters out there because it's such a twisted story. Uh, Maybe someday I'll do a podcast about the greatness of the Deadshot character under Ostrander. Because the the Ostrander Deadshot is not in the original Suicide Squad. That is pretty much the Christos Gage revamp of Deadshot, which came years later. But I would also highly recommend uh, John Ostrander's Deadshot limited series as well if you're interested in that. But after Ostrander's run, there's a failed run by Keith Giffen who wanted to make it more of a black comedy. And he was the one who was kind of on record saying, they call it the suicide squad, but in that first run, nobody ever died. And that's kind of true. I mean, people died occasionally on certain missions. Uh, the bombs weren't in their skull, it was around their arm. So the arm would blow off. And the only one that ever happened to was Slipknot, which was kind of recreated in, in the first movie, except with that bomb. Uh, and so what, what Giffen did was in the first issue, he took a bunch of characters that people love that he wrote called the Injustice League, I think, or the Injustice Gang. I can't remember what it's called, but they were basically Justice League Antarctica in his Justice League run and killed them all, except for major disaster. And that's kind of been how the Suicide Squad has gone in further revamps. It's it's the current run and the run before that, it, it's just you know, villains being crappy people and killing a lot of people and a lot of people dying. And I guess that's what people like. The, the, the Ostrander run is far more black ops, political. Amanda Waller is trying to keep it a complete secret so nobody finds out about it type of thing. And these knuckleheads that are villains are doing knucklehead type of things at times. There's far more uh, heroes that are looking for either redemption or looking for some sort of help. You know, you have Bronze Tiger, who's not really a villain. Used to be a part of the League of Assassins, but he's looking for uh, to get his memory back because it's been wiped. Vixen was a member of the Suicide Squad for quite a while. Speedy did a mission with um, him. You had had heroes like Nightshade and Nemesis and uh, Black Orchid as a part of it. It was far more of a mix of heroes and villains than uh, both the current squad and and the movie squads, so... uh, I recommend getting the O-Strand to run if you don't. I can talk about it for ages. That said, let's get to the movie, The Suicide Squad. Overall, I really liked half of it. I thought the first half was pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, It was what I expected. It was the Keith Giffen black comedy. Play it for the yucks type of thing and kill a lot of people. I was expecting that in the first half. Uh, I think it really kind of went off the cliff after they rescue Rick Flagg. Oh, by the way, spoilers abound. If you've not seen the movie, don't listen to my review of it as to whether I think it's good or not, because I'm going to spoil the hell out of this and, and talk about certain things from a Suicide Squad super fan boomer dad age type of situation. But anyways, should have done that up top. I apologize if you've listened this far and I just ruined something for you. Yes, they re- rescued Rick Flagg. Anyways. Uh, I think after that, when it becomes about First, baddie are gone. Now we're going for the big baddie, the big global threat, Starro, the Conqueror. Uh, I, I think it loses its way. It kind of becomes uh, standard fare for the most part. Still some laughs in it. Uh, performances I really liked. Uh, David De- as as Polka Dot Man was phenomenal. John Cena, I called this first three quarters of the movie. He is spectacular. He steals this movie he is great uh the the problem with with the cena peacemaker character uh has nothing to do with peacemaker peacemaker old is i mean he's part of the charlton heroes that dc bought uh, originally alan moore wanted to wanted to use the charlton heroes for watchmen but dc wanted to use blue beetle and a few other characters for crisis on infinite earths uh uh one of the first mega crossovers in in comics history so alan moore basically just kind of copied the charlton heroes for watchmen and peacemaker is the comedian if if you never knew that before uh the question is rorschach uh nightshade is Spil- silk specter uh blue beetle is night owl and so on and so forth. you can look it up it's all over the internet uh the problem was they that john cena had to act Instead of being the knucklehead that he was for the first three quarters of the movie, when he t- when he was the mole for Amanda Waller, that part made sense that he was a mole for Waller to get this drive or whatever. The problem was he starts monologuing and act like bad guy villain, and we'd already established in the first three fourths of the movie, if someone like Ratcatcher two was gonna stop Peacemaker from doing his job, he ain't monologuing. He's just gonna shoot her and move on, instead of giving these wooden monologues and trying to emote and it was just bad but the first three quarters cena is just so damn fantastic in this i i absolutely adored him in this it was everything i wanted wanted him to be in it uh idris elba was good but it's part of my disappointment a little bit in the characterizations of certain people um and and let me get to that real quick uh Idris Elba was really, (laughs) the Bloodsport character is literally just Christos Gages' Deadshot, just under a different name. There's nothing different about him and the Will Smith character at all. James Gunn did nothing. It's almost like he goes, Will Smith in the movie? No? Okay. Cross that out. I have Idris Elba. Do you want to play Deadshot? No? Okay. I'll make you Bloodsport, and I'll do that. Bloodsport is one of those characters that only appeared three times in comics, uh, Robert Dubois was a Vietnam veteran who got uh, crippled. And this is during the John Byrne run of Superman uh, where Lex Corps is just basically, you know, villains of the week, but, you know, super, uh, you know, given super strings or something. But uh, so, so they build a blood sport and he give, they give him a Gatling gun with uh, bullets traced with kryptonite. And send him after Superman, and he fails, and then hes sent to prison and then all of a sudden, they create this white supremacist blood sport who, if he can think of a of any kind of weapon or something like that, he can then teleport to himself and Then they had the two blood sports do a prison fight where the black blood sport won. But I guess they just kind of did an amalgam of this one where, you know, he just can have weapons appear and stuff. I thought, thought Elbow's very good, and, and but you can see that this was Deadshot and the Peacemaker doing one, one-offs one and types of things like that. Uh, yeah, You know, he has the daughter who's in trouble, much like it would have been if if Will Smith had come back. You know, I want Gunn to do just a little bit more with whatever character they're going to replace Deadshot with. Because to me, to make a Suicide Squad film, you need three characters. You need Deadshot, you need Captain Boomerang, and you need Amanda Waller. Um, Rick Flagg, they didn't really do anything with him in this movie either, other than he drinks with the villains again. I mean, he, he's, he's like, the, they don't give him any motivation. They never explain why he's still in Task Force X, which is a little disappointing. That they just, you have this great actor in Joel Kinnaman and they've done nothing with him in this thing. And it's okay that Rick Flagg dies in this because he also dies in the Ostrander version of the squad. And much like other comic book characters, he, you know, they find ways to bring him back to life and things like that. But he, he originally died in, in, in the Ostrander Suicide Squad and leadership went to other people like Deadshot and Bronze Tiger to, to and Vixen to lead the team. So he's not that important to... Uh, suicide Squad mythos in terms of leadership, but it would have been nice to do something. Uh, the character that both movies have consistently gotten terrible, it, to me, is Amanda Waller. Um, Amanda Waller got into doing this thing because he, she wanted to see some good come out of criminals because of her family situation and things like that. But like the first movie took me out of it when she killed her staff. Amanda Waller's not a sociopath, or she's not an o in And the future versions maybe she has and I haven't kept up with those as, as as well as others but she she's a terrible human being in all these movies as opposed to somebody of just questionable ethics and you know it's played for last when they hit her with the cane and stuff but she was always someone who cared about the support staff who were good people she just didn't like she wanted these villains to get in line and be decent to society and that said the, the most disappointing thing of all was that they killed off captain boomerang and uh The 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 great thing was Jai Courtney, and those I loved the first 15 minutes of this movie. Jai Courtney showed more in this in that first prologue than um than he did in the entire David Ayer version of the Squad. That's that's the boomer I want in this movie. The rogue, he's a little. I mean, in the comic in the Ostrand version, he's racist, sexist. He's just the biggest pig, just outspoken. But he's the guy to me. You know, I, I compare him a lot to uh, Victor Franco or Franco in uh, The Dirty Dozen, the John Cassavetes character. He's the guy at home in The Suicide Squad. He's the guy, he's the villain who belongs in something like The Suicide Squad because of his abilities. And you kind of just have to deal with the dumb shit he does, like uh, the roguish stuff he does. Later, to give him in line, you know, he has he has his faults, but in the end, he's just a damaged person who has found his place in life after being a joke for so many years. I mean, I love the Flash and I love the Rogues, but Ostrander did such a great job of revitalizing this one note character, and all these rogues weren't being used by the Wally West Flash writer anyways after they killed off Barry Allen. So they're off doing like blue devil comics and stuff. So Boomerang is such a great character and the way they kill him off was dumb. The rest of the characters mostly cannon fodder, which is great. You know, Blackguard gets killed in uh, a miniseries called Suicide Squad: Raise the Flag, which was in two thousand seven. Ostrander uh, did it when the entire squad, other the, or half the squad, turns heel on the other half of the squad um, because of the other thinker, the second thinker, who is a Firestone villain, and you know, it, it's just him. But he's just he's just a guy who had guns. He's nothing big in the comics. Uh, I was, I was a little pleased by uh, Fluva Borga who gave more personality to the Javelin who was killed like twice in the suicide squad. I think I went down, he was killed in War of the Gods. And then later, you know, just a geek villain for Green Lantern uh, there. Mongal is, you know, pretty much a one note character of Mongrel, alien gladiator type in there Uh, I liked that she just didn't she just goes in tries to crash a helicopter because she's a moron I love that Uh, the weasel is ultimately expendable Um, get to that in a second Uh, who MDK was like a one-shot character in 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 like the 50s or something that they just brought in or TDK the detachable kid that's what it is Uh, and I can't remember. Oh, uh, Savant is a Birds of Prey character. Uh, he had been in, I think the third reboot of the squad or no, the second reboot of the squad, third version of the squad, uh, on a one-off mission at one time, you know, typical hitman. I'm a professional, blah, 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 blah type stuff. I thought Rooker did, you know, Rooker, (laughs) Rooker turning coward on that was, uh, was hilarious to me. Uh, you know, Stallone as King Shark played more for laughs he's a little more vicious in the the comics uh, because he's in a, an original one called um, it's a run of Superboy I can't remember the name of it but it's Deadshot Boomerang him knockout Sam McCoy. it's pretty good Deadshot ends up shooting Boomerang's hands King Shark gets killed in it because uh, he's wearing a belt across him but you know King Shark has become kind of a cult character in the la- latter versions of the squad played for laughs it's fine it was great um Elbe, I said, and then uh Ratcatcher 2. You know, she's the basic, I'm the heart of the squad. The thief with the heart of gold. The sentiment, the sentimentality of it, which I was kind of disappointed. I thought James Gunn was going to be completely unsentimental in this. I thought for sure Peacemaker was just going to shoot her after the, why are you going to kill me? I'm a child type of scene. Just blow her away and get her out of there. And, uh, of course, it up Man, Geek. I-, I liked the visual gag with the mom. The visual stuff got to be a little bit much, though. And this movie shouldn't have been two and a half hours. It was just way too long. And you could do that by cutting out the army part. You know, the the part with Harley and, and the dictator and things like that. that. To me, that's a bit superfluous. I get you're doing a little bit, you're doing the sub-story because really people come to see Harley Quinn. I get that, but that was great. Um, You know, and I think Margot Robbie's spectacular. I just want her in her own universe because she overwhelms Suicide Squad movies. I thought Pete Capaldi was okay as a thinker. This is a version of the thinker I'm out that it's kind of brand new. So it's weird, but, you know, being one up by the creature, he gets, you know, it, once it got into standard superhero movie fare, it kind of became kind of tropey. But the, those those first half where you're, the team is kind of bonding with each other on both the, the team one on helicopter and team two in the jungle and stuff, those, those, that's, that's what a guy's on a mission movie is you do that for three quarters of the movie and then <coughs> you make people care about them and then you send them off to die. That That's the greatness of what a guy's on a movie or guys on a mission type of movie is. Uh, surprises for me, uh, when they announced the list of characters, I was sure I knew everybody who died. Um, in the Ostrander version, the weasel, Kills the thinker and then Rick Flagg puts on the thinker's helmet and kills the weasel. I thought that they were gonna do that subplot, they didn't. The Weasel lived. The Weasel's just a lame character, guys. I know people loved him because of the comic relief and stuff, and you, you kind of knew that, but overall he's a lame character. If they kill him in the Peacemaker series, I'd be fine with it. Uh the characters are uh is her name? Alicia Braga. I know she's Sonia Braga's sister. Uh is based on another character called Sol Soria, who's killed in the last reboot of The Suicide Squad. She's killed when Killer crack eats her. And I thought for sure King Shark was gonna eat her eventually, but I loved I loved the scene in the village. I thought that was <laughs> you know that's I mean if you're gonna do black comedy, just go all the way. You know, Cena passing by a guy just chopping him up. That made me laugh. I mean, I I, I was kind of expecting that. I'm not going to get a lot of depth in this thing. Uh, And so those are the two surprises that I got. I was shocked that Boomerang wasn't captured by a or captured by these people and then kind of put away in the jail only to be left there for a while. And then, you know, that way you keep the hardcore fans happy with you. But apparently you wanted to tweak them. You can always bring back Captain Boomerang in some way. Uh, I was thinking, oh, every movie can be set before this if you wanted to really do it, but it appears they're never going to do anything with the character, which I just find a tragedy. He's such a great rogue, and it looked like Jai Courtney had finally found what that character was supposed to be, and I thought he was perfect as that. Uh, As it is, I like the coda of the weasel waking up and going away. Problem was, he was marked as dead, and he wouldn't have been on that computer, but that's continuity era. I'll forgive it. That's me being nitpicky, but overall, first half of the Suicide Squad, very, very good. Second half kind of becomes paint by numbers for me, but overall much better than the David Ayer take on it, Um, which is just one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, I hope uh, if you have any uh, if you have any thoughts or just want to discuss that, drop into my DMs at CrapGame13. Always happy to geek out on Suicide Squad questions, but uh, thanks for listening.